0: What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, September 28th. Congressman Scott Perry, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, joins me on the podcast today. We got a lot to discuss, including the possible government shutdown, Biden's wide open borders, Biden's impeachment inquiry and so much more. Plus, the GOP candidates minus President Trump battled it out in the second Republican debate. And Philadelphia, the rioting and looting, shines the spotlight on failed Democrat policies in America. I'm Alec Lace. This is the Alec Lace Show.
1: The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lake Show. The future is
0: family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live on Rumble, please get down there, hit the share button, bring your friends, bring your family into the broadcast. Let's get as many people into the podcast here, into the live broadcast as possible. Uh, Take part in the chat down there. Let's get some conversations going. I would love to encourage you guys to do that. And, again, Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have helped me build this channel up here on Rumble. The view count has been steady. You guys are coming back. I need you to follow the channel if you could. If you haven't done so already and you're enjoying these programs, please follow the channel on Rumble. Follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Leave a rating, review, whatever you could do. Uh, that's really all I could ask for. And, and I just got to say again, thank you so much because because of the way that this show has been going And you guys have been tuning back in. I've been able to nail so many great guests down to join me here on this podcast. And today is no different. I got a great one for you guys today. Congressman Scott Perry, he is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, which is uh, one of the best parts about this Congress, about this house that we have right now, is the Freedom Caucus. And uh, Congressman Scott Perry is the chair. So there's a lot to talk about with him today. And again, I'm getting these guests because of you, the listener out there. And I owe it all to you guys. So please follow me down there and continue to share this broadcast with as many patriots, with as many, uh, you know, awesome parents that you know. Let them know about what's going on here at the Alec Lay Show. And another one, of those, another one of those great guests will be joining me here next week. Dave Rubin will be here with me on Tuesday. He's one of the top political commentators in the country. He's one of the best in the business. Been doing it a long time. I had the honor of doing an interview with Dave on First Class Fatherhood. Talked all about him becoming a dad. It was a great interview. And now it's going to be awesome to have him here to talk all about politics. And I can't wait for that conversation. So get down there and follow the podcast. Bring it right back here on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble for my conversation with Dave Rubin. And then follow me on X for all the other upcoming guest announcements, because I'll tell you right now, I got some real bangers in the pipeline that are going to be joining me here. You're going to be really surprised when you find and excited when you find out who's coming to join me here on the podcast in the month of October. So got some really great things happening here on the podcast. And I'm going to get Congressman Scott Perry here in just a few minutes. Uh, First, I wanted to touch on, obviously, I said at the top there, the GOP debate. They had the second uh, Republican debate uh, minus Donald Trump. Uh, And so really it comes down to two. It's a two horse race for second place between Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. Those two guys, I like both. I've interviewed both of them. I think both of them are very good dads. I think they're very good uh, uh, people to have as a vice president. Now, let's say it honestly— These guys are not running to win the race. They're running for second place, or they're running for the future of their political careers. Governor DeSantis is the best governor that we have in the United States right now. I love what Ron DeSantis is doing, what he has done, and what he will continue to do in the state of Florida. And Vivek Ramaswamy is the up-and-comer. He's connecting well with the millennials. He's saying all the things we want to hear. So far, so good from Vivek Ramaswamy. But let's be honest, if I'll put this uh, up here on the board, this is the the latest poll numbers. Now, this is the average of like the top 13 polls, the most trusted polls, if you can trust the poll at all. But here's how far away they are. Out of all the polls, 54 percent for Donald Trump, 13.8 percent for Ron DeSantis. That puts Trump ahead by 40 points when you average it out. Now, some polls have him up 40, uh, 50 points. Some have him close to 60 points. Uh, He's crushing the rest of the field here. There's no doubt he is going to just slide right into the nomination for the GOP in 2024. And just to contrast that, here's the Democrats. Here's Joe Biden against uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who they're not even allowing uh, to debate. They they are paying no attention to him. The left-wing media has given him no attention, and he still has 15.1%. Uh, of the vote in the polls. This is an average of all the polls. Biden obviously leading 61.6%, which gives him a total of 46 points. So this is all looking like we're going to see a Trump-Biden repeat in 2024. Now, there could be uh, something that happens where they, they tried to take Trump off the ballot. Uh, they they could We could see Biden, his health declined so badly that he doesn't make it to the starting gate. Maybe they slip in a Gavin Newsom, something like that. But right now, if we play it the way it is, it's Trump versus Biden in 2024. And there is no way in the world we can allow Biden to get another four years of destroying this country. And so yesterday they did this GOP debate. Uh, Trump wasn't there. Trump was in Michigan. Giving a speech there. Now, Biden was in Michigan at the rally there at the union rally. And I put this this tweet up here that got a lot of traction because this guy's face, if you take a look at this, I'll put it on the board. For those of you who aren't watching, it's one of the union workers who's given a crooked eye look at Joe Biden, who showed up for a quick photo op, maybe 15 minutes before he fled the scene. But I captioned it here that face you make when the guy who subsidized electric cars and sent your jobs overseas shows up at the picket line. And so that got, you know, shared around quite a bit. But it's just uh, it's true. Biden, I'm a union worker myself. Unions, they they are. We're always constantly told to vote Democrat, vote Democrat. Uh, this guy is a phony. He screwed the railroad workers over uh, last year when they were going for their contract. They had an opportunity to really stick it uh, to them. And they Biden stepped in and didn't allow them to strike when they could have got a huge, huge raise in their paychecks, plus the sick days they were fighting for. It's a whole... Biden tells you he's for the union guys, and then he goes around and stabs him in the back, and that's what he does. Again, obviously, this guy's a liar and and, and enough. All right, so... The GOP debate, I think, came down between Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, because those are the two horses to really focus on in the race, it seems like, for second place. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy has a possibility of becoming Donald Trump's vice president. Ron DeSantis, I don't believe, has that opportunity anymore. Now I do truly believe that the strongest GOP ticket we could have had would have been a Trump DeSantis ticket. Had DeSantis just thrown his weight and support and endorsement behind Trump from the right from the dribble, I think Trump DeSantis is a no-brainer. I think it's a powerful ticket. I think that's off the table now. So out of the rest of the remaining group, I think Vivek Ramaswamy has the best chance of becoming Donald Trump's running mate in 2024. Let me know what you think. Who do do you think Donald Trump's going to pick for the VP? Hit me down below with a comment. Get involved in the chat. Let me know. I'm going to hit you guys with the selected highlights I picked out from the GOP debate, and then I'll comment on the other side. Yes,
1: when I had two progressive prosecutors that weren't following the law in Florida, I removed them from their posts, and the people of Florida are safer as a result of it. As president, I will use the Justice Department to bring civil rights cases against all of those left-wing Soros-funded prosecutors. We're not going to let them get away with it anymore. We want to reverse this country's decline. We need to choose law and order over rioting and disorder.
0: Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. Disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I say this: Joe Biden should not be on the picket line.
1: He should be on
0: the southern
1: border, working to close our southern border because it is unsafe, wide open, and insecure, leading to the deaths of seventy thousand Americans in the last twelve months because of fentanyl. It is devastating. Every county in America is now a border county because fentanyl has devastated Americans in every single
0: state. I am sick and tired of these mass shootings happening in the United States of America. And if I'm president of the United States, I'm going to go to the Congress of the United States and we're going to pass a federal expedited death penalty for anyone involved in a mass shooting so that they will meet their fate in months, not years. It victimhood is a choice and we choose to be victorious in the United States. States of America. You know what, if I was giving advice to those workers, I would say go picket in front of the White House in Washington, D.C. That's really where the protest needs to be. Disastrous economic policies that have driven up prices, that have driven up interest rates and mortgage rates. At the same time, wages remaining stagnant. What we need is to deliver economic growth in this country.
1: That's Commander-in-Chief, I'm going to use the U.S. military to go after the Mexican drug cartels. They are killing our people. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck.
0: All right. And Chris Christie shows you right there exactly why the writers went on strike in Hollywood, how important writers can be, because whoever wrote that line might have been hired during the writers strike because it was a terrible line. The only thing, only angle I could see maybe working there possibly was this line is going to fall so flat, the Donald Duck line, that it'll probably get us trending on Twitter, which it did. So I guess that was the angle. They were. Chris Christie's entire campaign is there to bash Trump, uh, try to throw shade at Trump. That's all the only reason he's up there. Who's funding this guy's campaign? He has zero shot at winning the nomination. He's up there just to attack Donald Trump. Makes you wonder where the money's coming from to front this guy's campaign. Terrible governor, terrible Republican. I'm tired of seeing him. Thank God once he drops out of this race, we should never have to see him again. I think Vivek Ramaswamy had the best line of the night when he said transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental disorder. And, you know, people started battling back and forth on X last night about that. Is this, uh, no, that's not true. It's not a mental disorder. It's, uh, but even CNN asked this question. Now, we talk about transgenderism. We're talking about gender dysphoria is exactly what we are talking about. Now, CNN, they asked this question earlier this year. I'll put this up on the board. Is gender dysphoria a mental disorder? Here's how they answered it. Because gender dysphoria is included in the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, also called the DSM, it is diagnosed as a mental disorder, experts said. So even the experts agree with Vivek Ramaswamy and so does CNN. That is what this is. Needs to be treated that way gender dysphoria needs to be treated as a mental disorder. It does not need to be treated with puberty blockers. It doesn't need to be treated with a knife to cut off the genitalia. It does not need to be caused, uh, does not need to have sterilization in these children. It just needs to be treated as the mental disorder that it is. Love that from Vivek Ramaswamy. Thought that was great. DeSantis, I think... He did about the same. I think he gets about the same grade here. He, he's strong in this uh, debate. Again, I like Ron DeSantis, a great governor, accomplishing great things in Florida. I don't know if he really moved the bar from this debate. I think him and Vivek were kind of tied as to who won the debate. Uh, I love DeSantis saying we're going to use the military to go blast the cartels. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, Mike Pence, which who I know everybody probably listening can't stand. I don't know why he thinks he has a shot in politics anymore as a Republican after what he done. Uh, I loved the line, we gonna, he's going to to expedite the death penalty for mass shooters. Uh, this way that they don't have to wait years to get it. I, the only thing I would have added is maybe let the family members take part. And so I thought that was a great line from Pence. I like that idea. Uh, Tim Scott, I th- again, I like Tim Scott as a senator. Uh, I think he spoke weight. You know, he spoke a lot. He interjected himself a lot, talked over a lot of people, I think, because he didn't assert himself enough in the last debate. And I think that's what his camp told him: Hey, This is you got to get in there. You got to start throwing punches. You got to start talking. And that's exactly what he did. I like the fact he was strong on closing the border, which I think is a no brainer here. Uh, But so I I think Tim Scott did well. Nikki Haley, I think, yelled too much. That's why I didn't play any of the clips from her. She was dissing on uh, Vivek. I don't know. She didn't move the bar, I don't think, at all for me. Neither did the rest of them. I think this came down to Vivek and DeSantis. Who do you think won the debate, if not one of those two? Let me know in the chat down there below. Uh, I think Donald Trump is the one who came away the real winner from this debate. Donald Trump had the speech going on in Michigan, and I think he had the best line of the night about this as well. Sex changes for children will be banned. Is that okay? Sex changes in children will be banned, and yes. So I like that from Vivek talking about the the gender dysphoria, the transgenderism, and from Trump, sex changes for children will be banned. We have got to be as strong as possible and push back on this craziness and stop it. Eradicate this nonsense from our culture where we are castrating and and, and mutilating our children. It's got to stop. So enough is enough. I love the fact that Trump said that. Again, I think he won the debate last night. You also had competing with the debate last night, Tucker Carlson. Uh, punching it back at his former employer on Fox. He had an interview with another former Fox News guy, Bill O'Reilly. So they did an interview together on X. Uh, Tucker and O'Reilly were the two biggest juggernauts, I would guess, in Fox News history. Now, speaking of Fox News, I gave you the poll altogether averaged out with Donald Trump. Here was Fox News' latest poll on the presidential primaries. I'll put it on the board here. They have Donald Trump at 60%. And Ron DeSantis at 13%. So they got him, they got Trump at almost 50%, 50 point lead. Uh, There's no chance any of these other candidates, unless something happens to Trump or they find a way to get Trump off the ballot, there's nobody in this field has a shot. Of winning this primary election. So I don't know what it's all for. I understand a lot of people, Vivek Ramaswamy has nothing to lose by doing this, only to gain. Nobody knew who he was before this started. He's got a huge following now. He's doing very well on social media. I think Ron DeSantis stands to lose politically because um, it's hurting him, I think, for 2028. The rest of the field, I don't know what they're doing there. I mean, I think they're wasting a lot of people's time. So again, my call is. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, and, and I could go either way on who won the debate. I would call it if I had to. Vivek won the won the debate. Uh, let me know what you think down there. And I got Congressman Scott Perry waiting in the wings, and we're going to get to him. I'm going to hit you guys with a quick spot, and we're going to be back with the Congressman. You're listening
1: to The Alec Lake Show.
0: Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood, available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood.
1: You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family.
0: All right, welcome back, guys. Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania's 10th District is waiting in the wings here. Uh, It's a big honor to bring him onto the podcast here today. Not only is he representing uh, the people in the House He is a combat veteran of the United States Army, a brigadier general. So, you know, it's it's really cool, again, that I get a chance to talk to so many of these people, including uh, Congressman Perry, and I owe that all to you guys. Next week on the podcast, Dave Rubin is going to be with me. So you don't want to miss out on that one. Get down there. Make sure you hit the follow button uh, so you can check out on that one. And, And again, follow me over on X for all the other upcoming guest announcements. And let's do this. We got Congressman Perry. Let's not keep him waiting anymore. Let's bring him into the podcast. Joining me now, Congressman Scott Perry. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show.
1: Well, thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity. This is awesome. I'm excited about it.
0: Well, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, let me just start like this. Obviously, the, the government shutdown is looming here. We're getting closer to what would be Sunday, where they're saying this would start. What are the chances that we uh, could avoid this shutdown, and what is it going to mean if we can?
1: Well, what it means if you can't is... Uh, Quite honestly, most of the government is funded, but there's, I think, essentially 15 percent, generally speaking, that is not. Now, in, in the past, um, people sometimes didn't have to go to work, but, uh, but still got paid after the fact. And the other cases is that people got, went to work. Anyhow, there are people that are seen as essential air traffic controllers, firefighters, transportation safety administration, that type of thing that have to go to work unsure of the next paycheck. But as you probably also know, these things don't tend to last too long, usually don't go into the next pay period anyhow. So there's going to be a bunch of hysteria regardless of whether this happens or not. And um, it's certainly not optimal, but it can be avoided.
0: And what is your take, Congressman, on what needs, what is the breaking point here? What needs to happen? Because I know things are kind of out of control there. And I know you guys, what is it going to take to avoid it? What do you, what do you want most of all here to happen?
1: I think what I want most of all is what our government was designed to do. Pass the appropriate, the individual appropriations bills, not some big, massive thing that, you know, I had to vote for it to keep the government open, which means I had to accept all this stuff that I hated and you hate too, Right. We're, we're trying to end that. that by the way, that, that situation I just described of passing 12 individual spending bills hasn't happened since 1996. That's how broken we are. So I think if we get on the path of doing that, we have four bills we're considering right now, individual bills. If we can pass them, then I think that opens up the uh, the trust factor, so to speak, and the sincerity factor that – that leadership has lost because there hasn't been an appetite to actually do what we're supposed to do here. If we can do that and get a, a sincere commitment to continue to do that work and finish that work, then I think the people that are, are frustrated with the status quo here will be willing to say, look, we'll give you another week. We'll give you you know a reasonable amount of time, but we gotta see a plan about how this is gonna happen. We're just not gonna give you a blank check. And that's how you avoid this, but it takes all of us working together And being committed to changing the way things are done here, Uh, the system that we have hasn't worked for 50 years, literally 50 years, because that process of passing 12 individual appropriations bills so our bosses know how we voted on things, that's only happened four times in 50 years. That's how broken the system is. We are trying to change that status quo here where the lobbyists and the special interest and the leadership here all win and the poor American taxpayer
0: pay or loses. Yeah, great stuff, Congressman. Yeah, we're, taxpayers are tired of getting kicked around. And yeah. one of the things, too, just, I understand it's all playing politics and all that, but just from the civilian standpoint and looking at this, whenever we see, like, oh, they're trying to do a bill to help veterans, but inside that bill we're going to give a billion dollars to Ukraine. And then we're like, well, wait a minute. No, we don't want that. Then it's, oh, Republicans don't want to support veterans. And it's always so silly the way that it all comes out. And it's like, why can't we just focus on one thing, get that done, and then move to the next? That's exactly right, which is
1: why in the springtime, if you remember during the speaker's challenge, we demanded and got single subject rules, right? Single subject bills, things that only... So so you're exactly right. Right now, we're doing the Department of Defense appropriations, which has money in it for Ukraine. And we said to our colleagues that are running this bill, just take that Ukraine thing out, put it over here. We can vote on that separately. We'll vote for the, to fund our, our defense. And, and let the chips fall where they may. If the, if the Ukraine money goes, people can see how people voted for that. If it doesn't, people can see, all, they can see all of it. And then we'll know. But don't tell me that in order to fund the people that are supposed to defend my country, I have to pay for people to defend some other country. Those are two separate issues. And so far, we haven't been able to get them to separate it. That's the game that is played in Washington.
0: Yeah, and not only that, when it comes to Ukraine, what drives so many people, we just seen the 60 Minutes report that our taxpayer money going to Ukraine isn't going for weapons and tanks and stuff like that. Yes, it's going there, but it's also going to to pay the salaries of the first responders over there. So it's for for seed and for fertilizer, to subsidize small businesses. Small businesses here in America are afraid to open their doors without smashing grab attacks all over the place.
1: Yeah. Well, shouldn't you take care of these? You know, you're not elected to be a representative of Ukraine. And we all we all empathize and sympathize with the people in Ukraine and what's happened to them. But these tax dollars are to support these Americans that pay them. And especially when we're thirty three trillion dollars in debt, two trillion dollars deficit this year. How do we we don't have we're borrowing this money and taxing our citizens to send it over there when we won't even give it to our citizens.
0: Yeah. And just sticking on that point, I know obviously we're spending a lot of money to defend Ukraine's border, but our border is wide open. And the American families are the ones that are suffering the most here as the illegal immigrants are being packed into cities all across America. And the families are suffering. Small businesses are suffering. The local economies are suffering. Everyone here, it's it's America last and it's everybody else first. And in this border situation, you know, we talk about, you know, Trump wanted to build the wall. We wanted $8 billion or $5 billion, whatever it was. It was too much money. We've given 70 billion in Ukraine without even sniffing an eye or batting an eye. And now all of a sudden, oh, we can't secure our own border. And it's really driving the American people crazy to see this. Well, it
1: absolutely is driving them crazy. It's not only destroying the fabric of America, but it but We can't afford our groceries, we can't afford our electricity bills, we can't afford to put gas in our car, or diesel in our truck, heaven forbid you gotta buy a new car or you can't afford a new home, yet somehow the American taxpayer can afford to pay literally thousands upon tens of thousands of people coming across our border illegally and coming to your town and and it's not humane for them either. How many people have died coming across the border this year? How many people are forced into stash houses? How many young girls are forced into into sexual slavery into America and and yet the American taxpayer is forced to not only pay for it but be morally complicit in, in, in this huge travesty and these multiple crimes?
0: Americans are sick and tired of seeing this. Thousands every day. Every day there's a new video of mostly military-aged men coming across the border, and it's just—it uh, almost seems like there's no hope in sight to stop this until we get this administration out of office. And it's uh, hopefully we don't have to wait that long. But sticking to the American family here, I know you got two daughters. I got four yeah. kids—one daughter myself—and the other thing is that the parental rights have just been under attack since this administration got into office. But before then, we've been seeing this constant uh, push, especially when it comes to our daughters. Having having to share bathrooms with grown men, having our daughters have to compete against men in women's sports. And I cannot imagine that there's even typical long term Democrats that agree with that type of philosophy. Yet it's being shoved down our throats as if this is what we should all be happy with and we should all agree with and find some kind of compromise. In my opinion, there's no compromise. Men don't belong in the same bathroom with my daughter. That's
1: exactly right. And, you know, as a lawmaker, you don't get everything your way. Right. But I will tell you this, I feel exactly the same as you do, and I think most parents do. I draw the line there. You are not sending your son uh, or any some old man isn't going into the bathroom with my daughter, or there's going to be a throwdown, and and there's just absolutely no way. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, telling my child that they can change their, their sexual orientation, and you don't tell the parent that, or telling my, my child, my daughter, that it's OK to read pornography in, in the library that I fund and I can't say anything about it or the, the or the the FBI puts a threat tag on me. Oh, no, no, no. This is my government. The, we, we we're the bosses. You're not the bosses and you serve at our pleasure and we are sick of that. We are
0: done with that. And it seems like, Congressman, the reason why we're seeing that now is because for a long time, the nuclear family in our country has been decimated. We have we lead the world in fatherless homes. We got a fatherless crisis. And if we don't get dads back in the home, in my opinion, no matter what we do politically, nothing is going to change because we're not bringing the father into the home and the heavenly father back into society. None of this stuff is really going to matter. So I I really think that if we could focus on on securing our nuclear families and and bringing God back into focus here, I think 90 percent of the trouble we see right now in our country would go away. What's your take? Well, that's exactly
1: right. This is the long march through the remaining institutions by the Marxist uh on the left that uh, want to destroy the american family want to destroy faith in god they want you to bow at the uh, at the at the foot of government that's what they want you to do and as long as the family is strong as long as belief in and in, in faith is strong then you're not going to do that which is why habitually historically these marxist uh leftists have always taken that tact and that's what they're, it's happening right in front of us as we stand here you should see it for what it is and reject it completely and fight with all your might against it
0: amen uh, i couldn't agree with you more and what is it like for you i know you know being a congressman the political atmosphere in our country is like on fire right now it's at the highest pitch i think it's probably ever been at least in my lifetime it's been what is it like for you as a dad young girls family what is it like uh, balancing that with with working in the house well,
1: I imagine I'm just like you. I give them a good foundation. We, I have a great relationship with my, with my children. I'm a father, not their friend, uh, but I am a father and I take that very, very seriously. But we have the difficult discussions about the things that they see, the things they hear about their father, the things they see in school. You have to be open about it, but you have to be firm and show them right from wrong. And you quite honestly, you know, Uh, Leadership, as a a former military officer, leadership is about sacrifice, and and if you want to show your daughters, your children, your family how it is, that means that your sacrifice starts first, and and, and you show them the way by, by example. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's not easy, but that's what's required to be done. You cannot have the moral high ground. You cannot go and espouse these things if you're not willing to live them Yourself, And that's where it all starts. And that's what gives them the foundation. And that's what gives them the confidence that to know that their viewpoints and their actions are not only correct, but righteous and that they can live that life, too, and, and do well and be well.
0: Well said, Congressman. And thank you for your service. And you know, I, you know, I've interviewed a a ton of military dads on on my other show, First Class Fatherhood. And I never understood that concept of service before self as a civilian guy and non-military until I became a dad. And then that started to click in about putting somebody else ahead of myself. And I think, you know, part of this problem with the fatherless crisis is that discipline portion where we don't have, I was one of those guys, just wait till your father got home type of deals when I grew up. So that was enough to kind of keep you in line. What we're seeing, we just saw recently now in Philadelphia, young teenagers out on the loose, destroying local businesses, wreaking havoc, rioting, looting. And that doesn't happen when you have got a strong, positive male role model, father, father figure in your home. And that's just one of the symptoms of this fatherless crisis that we're seeing. That
1: is a symptom of it. And of course, that is what the left loves because they love this anarchy. And of course, if you don't have a father, then you have to depend on somebody else. And that somebody else is the government. It's them. They want you dependent on them in so many ways, and that's just one of the most recent examples. And, of course, even though you're dependent on them with things like Illinois, where they just got rid of statewide cash bail so that these criminals can be let out on the street to prey on innocent people again, there is no accountability. It is lawlessness. It is the devolution of society. We're not, we're not progressing. We're regressing, and it's all by design.
0: And meanwhile, while you're having all this uptick in crime and the smash and grabs everywhere and violent crime going up, they now want to disarm you. They want to take away your right to bear arms. We saw that uh, with the the lunatic out in uh, New Mexico there, just suspending the the Second Amendment, took the Constitution, threw it in a trash can. And I'm afraid that thank God there was a reaction, a strong reaction to that, because if we would have allowed that to happen without any kind of pushback, uh, God knows where it would lead, how many more governors would jump on board with that type of plan. It's scary to see that. Well, you're
1: absolutely right. And I will tell you, we got to, I'm glad that we did push back on that, but we need to push back on every, every level. Last night, I think it was about one o'clock in the morning, I was arguing in favor of an amendment to disallow the federal government from banning chocolate milk. The federal government's supposed to do a lot of things, but I will tell you this, making choices about what I drink or what my children drink, whether it's chocolate milk, white milk, or water, is not the role of the federal government. We don't have them We don't have a federal government to ban milk, to ban cars, to ban gas stoves or any of those kind of things. And so that's where it starts. But the end is banning your ability to make choices for yourself, including defend yourself. So that that's that's where they want to end up. But I will tell you, they will take every step along the way to control your life, what screen door or what ceiling fan You put in your home or, you know, if you eat broccoli or if you eat a potato chip, they seem to think that somehow that's their business. It is not their business. We need you to reject it wholly and loudly, completely at every single turn.
0: Yeah, Right on with that, Congressman. And, you know, our government's getting way too big, having way too much authority over our lives. And, and we talk about the Bill of Rights as if that's the government giving us these rights. The Bill of Rights is protecting us from the government taking those away. And it's, right. it seems like more and more as the government gets involved, it's getting out of control. But I, want, I wanted to get your take on the impeachment inquiry here of Joe Biden. where We're finding out now that we, we've seen proof that Hunter Biden received a two hundred fifty thousand dollar payment from China that was wired to President Biden's home, and then the the person that sent that was this Jonathan Lee, who was uh, which corroborates exactly what Devin Archer testified about. So it seems like everyone's saying, oh, there's no evidence or no evidence. This seems to be concrete evidence here. What's going on with the impeachment inquiry? What's your take? Well, there's a
1: mountain of evidence, and that's just the most recent uh, small portion of evidence. But we've got $20 million worth of evidence, 20 separate that we know of uh, uh, shell company accounts to move money around. Of course, we got multiple lies from Joe Biden where he said his son, he didn't know anything about his son's business activities. And of course, most recently, the one debunked yesterday that his son never received any money from from China. So there is a mountain of circumstantial evidence. And some people will say, well, that's not direct evidence. That's only circumstantial. It doesn't prove anything. But I remind people that circumstantial evidence also includes the fingerprints on the murder weapon. That is circumstantial evidence. And this mountain of evidence relates to probable cause, which is why we must continue with this impeachment inquiry, because we've kind of gone as far as we can under the normal provisions. But if we're going to see bank statements and look at all the wire transfers and other thing that's being hidden from us right now to either clear this president or to confirm our worst fears, that's what it's going to take. But the American people deserve to know their truth about their president.
0: Yeah, we, we've we been bamboozled. There's no doubt yeah. about it. We've been hoodwinked uh, definitely when it comes to uh, Joe Biden. The only scarier thing than him getting impeached would be Kamala taking over the helm there at the White House. And, uh, uh, you know, th- that's not something we're all all in no. favor of either.
1: No, we're we're not thrilled about that. But our duty is to follow the law and do the oversight and ferret out the truth. And, and, and that is what's going to set us free. So we're going to have to do that and then let the chips fall where they may. The, but the truth must speak for itself. But the only way the truth can speak for itself is for it to be revealed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And all right, Congressman, I know uh, right now, too, obviously on the forefront here is the government shutdown. Beyond this, you're the chairman of the the House Freedom Caucus here. What are what is the big issues that you want to get going beyond the uh, the shutdown? We get, you know, we, we get past that. What are we looking to accomplish, especially within the House here up until the end of the year, December, before we close it out? Yeah, we've got to find
1: a way to force the president and this administration to secure our border. That's, that's one of the overarching issues. Of course, they're spending way too much money, and then the House of Representatives can't be complicit in that at any time. The other thing is this weaponization of all levels of government against the American citizens and, and Joe Biden and the administration's political rivals or enemies. That has got to end. So whether it's FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, And, and, you know, when they talk about reauthorization, I don't think there can be a reauthorization, for instance. I think those are the the things that we absolutely have to tackle. And we have to show the American people there's a bright line between the leftists and the Republicans that Republicans stand for your freedom. Republicans stand for you keeping more of your hard earned money and Republicans stand for restraining the out of control government the Democrats, so-called, they're just playing leftists, stand for everything else and especially reducing your freedom and self-reliance. And then you can make your choice at the ballot box, not only this November, but heading into next year's critical elections.
0: And Critical is right. 2024 is going to be the deciding factor in if we keep this country or not, because it's going to be out of hand if we don't get it back. And, you know, I could just tell you the word on the street, like the the, the feeling here uh, of conservatives, Republicans, is that we're kind of like tired of seeing, you know, the Democrats seem to play this game at a far higher level, and they seem to be aggressive all the time. And it seems like we're always, as I say, we on the right always seem to be backpedaling, just trying to hold what we have and not moving that ball forward and not playing offense. I would love to see heading into 2024. the GOP, the Republican Party start to play offense and start punching back and start making progress in this country. Well,
1: you're singing from the same hymn book as I am. You know, as conservatives, we just want to conserve and hang on to what we have, but it keeps being stripped away because we're also well-meaning, accommodating people. But we have to understand that unless, unless we do something, all our freedoms, all our rights, all our sovereignty is going to be stripped away. So we must not only just hold the line, but we have to claw back the things that have been taken from us by this uh, overarching leftist government. And it's going to take being offense and it's going to mean confrontations that are going to be uncomfortable at times. But if, you're, if, if, if your freedoms are worth saving, they're worth fighting for. So you're going to have to fight for them.
0: Yeah. Well, amen to that. God bless you for what you're doing. Keep up the fight. Keep up the good work. Uh, Congressman Scott Perry, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on The Alec Lay Show.
1: Well, God bless you. Thanks for, which, for thanks for your work and thanks for this opportunity.
0: All right, again, honored to have Congressman Scott Perry join me here on The Alec Lay Show. Let me know what you thought about this interview down there in the chat, down there in the comments. And again, I owe it all to you guys, the listeners, because I've been able to get so many guests on this show because you guys are keeping the view count going. You're downloading the podcasts on Apple and on Spotify keep it up. And I just can't say thanks enough because I really, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you guys. Let me know down there below who you would like to see on the podcast here. And I could just tell you this. I have got some great ones in the pipeline that are going to be coming here during the month of October. You're going to be blown away, and you're going to love it. So get down there, follow the program, uh, follow the podcast here on Rumble, share the live broadcast if you can. And you know what? I, what I said is true. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but, uh, you know, I'm sick and tired of seeing these bills where we're trying to accomplish something, and then they stick 13 other things in the bill, and it's like, oh, no, and now we have to vote the bill down. I like what Congressman Perry says there. Single-issue bills. That's the. There should be no other the way to vote on a bill. It makes no sense. So let's stop that nonsense. But it's all about playing politics and screwing the American taxpayer, screwing the American people. That's what it always seems to happen. And I know if you're like me and you're, you're Republican, you're conservative, you're on the right side of the aisle. You want to see the Republicans in the House and in the Senate stop playing defense and start going on the attack. Let's push forward here for once. It seems like we're always responding, always responding to what the Democrats are doing. The Democrats keep moving the ball forward on their vision for the future, keep moving the ball forward for the way they want America to look. And all we're doing is trying to just stop them, just like I had Will Witt on Tuesday saying the same thing. Who's got a great book out? Do not comply. He said it's the same thing. The the Democrats are playing offense. The Republicans are playing defense. We need to stop that. We need to take the ball back and run with it. And let's get the ball in the end zone and get some wins once in a while here on the Republican side. Sick and tired of all the talk and no action. I think that's I think that's the typical political nonsense. The Democrats are getting results on their side. They're getting the things that they want. We've now got to not just stop them. We've got to steal the ball and start running in our direction with it. And how bad has the country gotten? Well, take a look at what happened in Philadelphia the other night, right? Here's the young teens. They're out on the street. They're looting and they're rioting. Now, why is this all happening? Here's some of the video footage. Here's some of the chaos of it. Now, why is this happening? This is happening because the city of Philadelphia, like so many of these other cities, it's a fatherless, godless and lawless society. Now, when you combine those three things with Democrat policies, it is a recipe for disaster. And that is what you are seeing out there. You have all these young kids that are running out there with no parental guidance at home, no father in the home, no family structure. The school systems are a joke. They're not getting any discipline there whatsoever. The teachers are so afraid to discipline the children in the school system, they just allow, oh, what do you want to be? They're more concerned about their pronouns than they are about disciplining the kids and teaching them some ABCs. So forget the school system. They're not getting it at home because there's no mom and dad there together as a front to parent the kids. The father is not in the picture in a high percentage of these homes in Philadelphia. And so then you have no God at home. We know that there's no God allowed in the school system whatsoever. You can't say God's name in public anymore. You can't have any faith. Christianity is being crapped on all over the country, especially in these Democrat cities. So you combine no God, no father, no law because the police are hamstrung. Now you look at these videos. These police officers that are trying to stop the looters are going to be sued and the city is going to pay these rioters millions of dollars like they've done in all these other Democrat cities. So the the, the police have no say in stopping any of this, right? So now you combine those three issues, the fatherless, the godless, the lawless, with the Democrat policies. Now, Philadelphia hasn't had a Republican mayor in office in 70 years, almost seven decades of straight Democrat rule. And this is what you're seeing. Now, they promise you that you have to vote Democrat because Democrats are for the minorities. Democrats are the best people for black people to vote for. Look at what's happening to the cities. Look what's happening to predominant black neighborhoods because of Democrat policies that are anti-law and pro-no-cash bail. Let's let the criminals, they protect the criminals and punish the lawmen. The, the that's what these policies are leading to. And it's not just Philadelphia. You've seen it. You're not stupid. You've seen it in, in, in New York. You've seen it in Detroit. You've seen it in L.A. You've seen it in San Francisco. You've seen it in Seattle. It's everywhere that Democrats have ruled for decades is a complete shithole in this country. They should be a beacon of shining light. Philadelphia, 70 years Democrat. Oh, my God. That must be like the, the, the most tourist capital of the world. Everybody from the world must want to come and see it. It must be glorious there. Democrats are the best you could have, especially for minorities. All of the minorities in Philadelphia must be flourishing. They must all own their own homes and have their own businesses because Democrats are the ones they're telling you to vote for. They're the best thing that could happen for you and your and your minority family. Oh, we love them. And what, what, what do they have to show for it? What about the minority business owners that had to close their doors because of this rioting in Philadelphia? Every single liquor store in Philadelphia was closed yesterday. Every single one. And what do the Democrats have to say about it? Well, I put a meme up. Now, I'm not really a meme guy, but I put a banger of a meme up yesterday. And I'm not afraid to say that because what I did was I cropped out AOC talking about a different riot and put it over a video of this riot in Philadelphia with the caption AOC weighs in on the looting in Philadelphia. Can you spot the loaf of bread in this video? Here's what I did. Maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Right. That's oh, these people just need uh, a loaf of bread. Otherwise, it's between stealing a loaf of bread or starving that night. Now, number one, as if we should condone stealing a loaf of bread, as if we're in like the uh, Great Depression here and there's not a million different places to go and charities that are open and places to go and feed your family in this country, especially in the inner city. There's plenty of places to go, plenty of ways to get bread without having to steal it. So we shouldn't be condoning that for one. But number two, none of the people that you see in the photograph and the video behind her are stealing anything edible. They're stealing sneakers out of Foot Locker. They're stealing liquor out of the liquor store. They're stealing iPhone 15s from the iPhone store. Now, I don't know when the last time you went to a shelter or a food bank was, but they don't require you to hand in an iPhone 15 in order to get a bowl of soup. Right? And they don't require video footage of you actually stealing the uh, iPhone. Now, there's another brainer. Here's these, all of these riders and looters are video live streaming themselves, stealing items from the stores and they're posting it. Well, here's the one. They call call her Meatball. Here she is. Here's the video of her. Oh, she's all happy. Look at that smile on her face, how excited she is to be destroying somebody else's property. Encouraging everybody. Yeah, ruin that small business. Steal everything in that store. Now, here's the photo of her after she gets booked for it. Crying. Oh, this is unfair, unfair treatment. You see other people in the videos. Oh, make sure you video this. Make sure you video it because the cops are hurting that guy. You shouldn't have to touch him. Breaking the law and then getting any kind of discipline from it is a no-go for these rioters and looters. Now, who suffers? The community obviously suffers, and the business owners are suffering, the small business owners. Now, what are we doing about it? Well, just like I reported on Tuesday, or C60 Minutes reported, I should say, we, the taxpayers, are subsidizing small businesses where? in the Ukraine. That's what we care about. We're putting in billions of dollars to Ukraine and their economy, boosting it up, helping the small businesses, subsidizing small businesses. How about the small business guy in Philadelphia who owns a liquor store? What do you want him to do now? Store is destroyed. Inventory ruined what, just rebuild? It's like a tornado goes through these Democrat cities. Like you see, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. You see the tornadoes that go through these Midwest cities and God bless these people that live through those tornadoes. But it's like the tornadoes come right through. They rebuild everything. Two years later, another tornado comes through. They rebuild it. Another tornado two years later. That's the same thing in Democrat cities. You build up your small business. You sink your heart and soul into it. Then the tornado, which is the rioters and the looters that the Democrats have produced and our lawless and godless and fatherless society produces, they come through like a tornado and ruin the whole neighborhood, ruin your small business. Then you build up, pick up the pieces, build it all over again, go through insurance, try to gain back all all, all your inventory. And then what happens? By the time you do that, here come the Democrat looters and the riders again. Right through your property again. Destroyed it. How in the world could you keep voting for Democrats as a family person, as a taxpayer, as a business owner? Who are these people voting? Unless you're the criminal, who's voting for these Democrats? 70 years in Philadelphia without trying something different? Now, where is the, I always point to Rudy Giuliani. He came in and turned New York City, which was a shithole, into the tourist capital of the world. It's possible, and he had the policies to do it, but we are too afraid to do all Oh, that's racism. The Republican policies are racist, yet they help everybody thrive in the community. They help build the community up. They help protect the law enforcement that can actually do their job. But that's not what we want. So God bless you people in Philadelphia that have to go through this. And it ain't the end of it, not by a long shot, because you are going to see this. It's going to get worse until 2024 unless we get Trump back in office and unless these cities wake up and stop voting these people that hate you into office. We're seeing it. It's not just there. You you guys see it. It's everywhere. It's every Democrat city. They're running them right into the ground. And just like I said to the congressman, then they want to take your gun away. They want to allow the criminals to run free, not punish them force no penalties and then they want to take your gun away i mean how much how much more obvious could it be that they hate you All right. Frustrating stuff there, no doubt. But, uh, you know, what happened in Philadelphia was an absolute disaster. And it's just like I said, the nuclear family units have broken down in this country. God has been removed. And without that father influence, you have no shot. The education system sucks. It's not doing anything but rotting the brains with this LGBT, CRT, all this crap that they're filling their heads up with. We are in a lot of trouble here and uh, something's going to have to change about it soon. Get dad back in the home. Get father, uh, the heavenly father back in our society. Let's strengthen the law enforcement in this country and let's make a difference. Can we close the border? I mean, another one of these things. How do you people in these Democrat cities that are getting flooded now with the illegal immigrants, how are you going to keep voting Democrat? You're going to vote for Biden who wants to keep the borders open for another four years? We'll lose the whole country. Dave Rubin joins me on the podcast next week on Tuesday, right here, live on Rumble, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are as well. Get down there, hit the follow button, follow me here on Rumble, and uh, follow me on Twitter or X at Alec Lace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. And I've been trying to build up my presence over there, putting up as many uh, different posts as I can. And so let me know in the chat down there who you'd like to see on the podcast. Anybody that you're interested in me interviewing, I'd love to see, love to hear from you guys. Let me know. I uh, got my email down there also in the description of the podcast episode. So shoot me a line. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know who you want to hear. And that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, God bless all you parents out there. God bless you business small business owners in this country. Uh, God bless our first responders and our military and America. And I'm going to be back here on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Rumble. Hope everybody has a great weekend.